Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really worry like Hello and welcome in for another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is not uh, the normal voice coming through your headphones or your speakers, as you may know. Uh, Kent Wyrock, unfortunately, is not with us tonight. He had some other obligations, so he'll be back with us in about a week or two. Uh, my name is Matthew Betts, and I'll be filling in for Kent, trying to keep this uh, this train on the tracks, I guess you could say, as we move forward here. For episode six, we're going to be talking about rookie quarterbacks and rookie tight ends and what they mean for you and your redraft team uh, this season. We are joined by uh, a special guest tonight, which we're thrilled to have on. We're going to get to him in just a little bit, but before we do, I just want to check in with my my usual co-hosts. We've got Matt Okada and Jen Smith with us. Let's see how they're doing. Jen, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited for tonight, even though uh, QBs and tight end rookies. I don't know how much impact they're going to have on your redraft, but we are going to give you the tips you need to know. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. No, no position, uh, you know, ignored on this pod. We still got to talk about them because there's going to be some guys here there that might have a, a week or two of relevance. So it's worth, worth bringing up. Okada, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. And, uh, I got to say, you, you'd better be a pretty excellent conductor if you plan on keeping a rookie QBs and tight ends train on the tracks. So yeah, we'll I've see. got a tall task ahead of me tonight. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, but we're, we're excited to get back together. It's been, it's just been just over a week since we've been together on the pod. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of miss you guys. Uh, we had a, we had a streak uh-huh. where we were kind of going every other day or every two days. And it was, it was exciting and it was fun. But, you know, the band is back together tonight and we've got an additional member, uh, with us. You guys know him as Dynasty Rich on Twitter. We've got Rich Dotson from Dynasty Nerds tonight. Rich, how are you doing? Doing good, guys and gals. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, we're we're excited. We knew that when we put together our list of go- of guests that we wanted to have on, we knew we had to get someone who knew a lot about uh, rookies and dynasty football and could give us a good perspective on some scouting for these positions. And who better than to bring on uh, a guy who knows his stuff and who does dynasty fantasy football better than anyone I know? Um, so, Rich, give our listeners a little bit of an idea about. Um, kind of where you're from, what you do, what kind of work you do in fantasy, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I own DynastyNerds.com. Uh, I host a Dynasty Nerds podcast, uh, of course, and uh, we've been doing that for about four and a half years now. And uh, I'm just a pretty big uh, fantasy football fan altogether. I host uh, the ESPN uh, show here in Cleveland, the Fantasy Redraft show, every Sunday during the season as well. So I do that as well. So, and I'm also here just to, you know, poo poo all over these rookies and uh, quarterbacks and tight ends that we're going to talk about today for your redraft show, which will have zero relevance to your teams going forward for the 2018 season. Boom. You heard it here first. And the <laughs> pod is over at this point. <laughs> you can just stop listening. You can, you can turn off your, your phone or your computer. We're done. As long as you downloaded um, it, you know, we're okay with that. That's right. There's always that's a right. Ho- I mean, there's a hope, you know, there's a, there's a shimmer of hope maybe somewhere, but I mean, you just got to face the facts when it comes down to rookies. Most tight ends take three years to develop. Not many rookie tight ends ever come in year one and have a year. I mean, George Kittle last year had one of those, like for a rookie, one of the best years ever. But were you out there like, Oh, I just won my championship and George Kittle was my tight end. 
No. How many rookie quarterbacks even come in and dominate the league? I mean, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, they had some nice years there too. But again, that's more of that's an outlier more than something that we're really looking forward to this year. And with this batch, I mean, it's 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 even gloomier. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a class in this position or these positions, I should say, that, you know, could have some relevance in future years. Maybe this isn't the year, but you never know. There's always injuries and there's always guys that step up. And uh, we want our listeners to be educated fantasy football fans and players to be able to, uh, you know, make those lineup decisions if they need to. So that's why we brought you on, Rich, and that's why we're together talking about these positions. Before we get into uh, some of the, the news and notes that we have around the league, we've had a tradition that we've done on the pod for the past I don't know, three or four weeks. We've been reading reviews that we've gotten um, on iTunes. So we've got Okada here. He's going to go ahead and read that review that we got. Yeah, so this one came in a couple days ago. Title is Great New Fantasy Pod, and it's from Raddock7 on iTunes. He says, Only five episodes in and already one of my favorite fantasy football pods. Their chemistry has really grown over the first several episodes, and it's been really cool to hear from the guests they bring on. Has made each episode feel new and exciting. Glad there's a fellow Eagle fan on the pod in bets to balance out the Patriot garbage from Okada. Winky tongue face. (laughs) (laughs) One recommendation. Would love to have some mock drafts between you four to really get a sense of how you value certain guys. And once the season starts, implement some DFS picks each week, maybe. Question mark. Love the show, though. Keep it up. Great feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Great feedback. We really appreciate that. And anytime a fellow Eagle fan is giving out uh, positive feedback and good news, we are all ears on this on this podcast, including Okada, because I know that he loves those Eagles. True. And I'm used to the Patriot garbage take. So it's kind of just neutral for me anyways. Where are my Steelers fans? Come on. I need to review so we can read you live on the show. Yeah, we've got we got a few of them out there. I'm sure I'm sure you'll get your uh, your Steeler fans back in. You know, giving us some reviews, but it's kind of ironic tonight that we've got Rich on, who is <laughs> a diehard Browns fan. Is that right, Rich? Oh, love the Browns as much as I love my children. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. maybe maybe a little less, but I do love them that much. Look at you guys all rooting for the winners, the Steelers, the Patriots, oh, the true. Eagles. Oh, look at all those Super Bowls you got. Oh, must be nice. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I'm looking for just one W over here. But this year, this year, friends, you're talking redraft. There's a lot of fellows on my Cleveland Browns that you might be very interested in adding to your roster. So look out. The Browns are on up. I, I up my season tickets from two seats to four seats. That's how excited I am. Oh, boy. Rich, it sounds like you've got three openings next to you on the 50-yard line. Is that right? Maybe <laughs> a, myself, a, Jen, and Okada could hey, join you for a Browns game. You guys can literally come anytime. I, uh, anytime I do anybody I'm in a league with or anything, I say, hey, if anybody ever wants to come to Cleveland, tickets on me. You're more than welcome to come. My, my seats are on the 15-yard line behind the Browns bench, row nine. They're fantastic. Uh, you're more than welcome. My treat. Nice. I might take you up on that. I think Steelers fans everywhere are like, Jen, no. But I have been to a Browns okay, game. Jen. Jen, Jen, if you I come, though, you in. cannot wear Steelers garb because I would not let a Steelers <laughs> fan in Steelers garb. Sit can I wear me. neutral garb? Can I wear neutral you can garb? Wear- I have been in the dog pound before. I did not wear Steelers because I didn't want to die. So, Good call. Okay. You know, I think it's you know it's hard because, of course, we're division rivals, but I don't root against the Browns. I'm actually excited to see what they do this year. I only root for my team. So okay. good luck to you and your Browns. I hope that it works out for you and you get, you know, at least two, three wins or so. 
Uh, we're going to get it. I already I took the over. I don't gamble, but I took the over at five and a half. What's I bet. the over? Five and a half. Five and a half. Okay. I, bet a, mm-hmm. I bet a large sum of money on it, so hopefully I win. Uh, and I, yeah. and unlike you, Jen, I hope your team fails miserably. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, didn't we have, didn't Matt, didn't yes. we have, yes. we five had an over is, under. Five and a half is nothing for us, Rich. I think we made a bet in our first episode and the, I think we set the over under at like seven and a half maybe or eight and a half and Whoa. Kent and I yeah, took the over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. I was under. My new best under. friends. Hey, best yeah. friends. Yeah. Jen and I were <laughs> under. Yep. Kent and Okada were over the yeah. seven and a half. That's I think they'll win more than five and a half. So I'm with you, Rich. I would put some money on it, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they get to they get to eight. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. see. Uh, but the the Browns are a team that, for whatever reason, we just can't stop talking about on this podcast. From from now until further notice, this is officially a Browns podcast, <laughs> um, and we've got Rich on for that too. Uh, we are going to get to a, a Brown here in a little bit. Um, in one of the quarterbacks. But before we do, let's get into some of the news and notes uh, from, from this past week in football. So the first thing that kind of came out was Mike McCarthy and the Packers are vocal that they intend to use a committee uh, for the running back position. Okada, how do you think that this is going to shake out moving forward? Which guy in that backfield are you looking to grab? Honestly, I like Jamal Williams. And I think this is probably one of the, the most dividing uh questions right now going around the the fantasy community but for me it's jamal williams mainly it's just because of draft price aaron jones is typically going a couple rounds higher than him in in redraft and Tymon is going later so he's great value too but besides the draft price i also like jamal williams as a round well-rounded player and i feel like i tend to see the packers go with kind of the more steady eddie pun intended with eddie lacy running back and Jamal Williams is more of that guy um so give me Jamal I'm probably not getting much Aaron Jones unless he starts falling back a little bit but it pretty much it's the latest guy because we have no idea really who's gonna who's gonna end up leading this backfield if anyone and McCarthy kind of said basically it's a committee unless somebody looks really really good and then we'll give him the ball more but until that happens it's gonna be murky Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair approach to take. At this point, it's still early, right? It's still mid to end of, of June. So we've got time to see how this kind of how to plays out. And maybe this is a situation that we watch in training camp to see which one of these backs steps forward and, and kind of takes control of that backfield. Like you mentioned, if any, um, I think at this point, kind of looking for that late round value, whoever's the cheapest might be might be the way to go in redraft leagues. Rich, go ahead. Yeah, so I think the best value in a redraft league there is definitely going to be Ty Montgomery. Um, I don't like Jamal Williams mostly just because of he's going to be touchdown dependent, not really going to be too active in the PPR game when you got Aaron Jones there and Ty Montgomery. You know, you got to remember Ty Montgomery is a former wide receiver, and with the loss of Jordy Nelson, your best hope there is they do want to utilize him and get him involved. So you're hoping to kind of use him like the Duke Johnson role, where they line him up in the slot a lot. So. When every time you get a running back to line up the slot and have that solid being come away with anywhere from four to six cut touches, where he's going to go in redraft leagues, he's going to go behind the two guys we already mentioned. I think he, he might be the one that ends up going to be tremendous value. And the Packers, they can say they're going to go by committee all they want. They usually go with the hot hand is what they usually do with McCarthy there. So I think Ty Montgomery is the best value. I'm not taking anybody else early because it's just too much of a gamble they have to slip and it has to be value and i think ty montgomery is going to be the value there hoping he lines up in some slot action i'm with rich on this one that's what i was thinking is some time now he's going in the ninth round as ppr leagues and actually jamal williams is going around after him in ppr right now 
So Jamal's the cheapest. I would still lean Taimo, though, for the reasons Rich was just talking about. And it's a value in the ninth still. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great insight, guys. Uh, I think that's enough on the, the package backfield for now. I'm sure we'll hear m- more news as training camp comes around. Uh, the next thing on the on the dock here is that the Falcons are a bit concerned about Julio Jones training with uh, Terrell Owens, T.O., instead of being at minicamp this past week. You guys see the uh, the videos that were posted of T.O. running the 40? Yep. Oh, my gosh. That dude can fly. I think it was like a 4-4-3, four, four, uh, which was clocked on two different I'm clocks. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was faster than his uh, combine time. I believe I saw that somewhere, which is so, pretty hysterical. Uh, I know one scout tweeted out that he timed it himself and timed it at 4-5-3, even though a lot of people said mm. it was 4-4-4. Four, four, four. Regardless, the dude is a freak. Um, yeah. you know, anyway, what do, you, what do you guys think about, about Julio? Should we be concerned about this lingering through training camp and potentially into week one? Honestly, I'm not, and it's just because Julio is too dominant of a receiver for it really to end up making much of a difference. Even if he does have a bad relationship or there's contract issues that go all the way up to the season, unless he actually holds out of games, which I don't see being the case, they're not gonna, he's not gonna be put in any kind of doghouse. Um, he's not gonna see any less work, uh, because the team is upset or peeved with, the way he's conducting himself in the offseason, I think he's one of the most dominant players in the game at any position, so he's going to get the ball. And I, and I think it'll probably work itself out, honestly, before then anyways. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's he is the offense, essentially, you know, outside of that talented running back, but it funnels through him, and without him, they won't have a productive season. So they're, they're going to pay him, and they'll get him locked up, and I think he'll be, he'll be ready to roll by week one. Uh, the next thing we got to talk about is uh, some Dallas Cowboys. Alice, Alan Hearns, excuse me, is the, uh, is the clear number one to come out in Dallas for that wide receiving core, which at this point, that depth chart looks pretty ugly. Um, but does Alan Hearns get any of you excited? Gets me excited. I mean, gets me to excited to the point of value. Listen, so when it comes to, when it comes to fantasy football, sometimes it's about value and some people might look at players and they just might not see a lot. I, I made this argument about like Alvin Kamara and, you know, opportunity. You know, is Alvin Kamara the best running back in the NFL? No, but he fits that system so perfectly and opportunity is there that he's going round one in your redraft and he's a, he finishes running back three last year. So it's about opportunity and targets. So Alan Hearns is going to see the targets. They don't have Jason Wynn there. So who else are they going to throw the ball to? Cole Beasley? I mean, Michael Gallup's there. He's a rookie. He's going to see some targets, but he's going to see the targets. Enough targets where just on opportunity alone, he has a chance to finish as a wide receiver too. And where he's going to get drafted, that's going to be tremendous value. Guys like Alan Hearns, Marquise Goodwin, uh, those those guys are just really good. Tyrell Williams for the Chargers. Those guys are going to be people that are just going to be sleeping on, and they're just good value where you're going to get him in the draft. So for me, I like Alan Hearns. Do I like him like, oh, he's a dominant wide receiver? Absolutely not. But listen, somebody's got to catch the ball there. And most likely, odds are going to be Alan Hearns. So I'll take all the Alan Hearns shares I can get in my redraft leagues. Absolutely. Yeah, how often are you going to get somebody who's going to get a wide receiver one share, right? I think over 40% of the target share is gone with Witten gone and Des gone. So the, the targets are there. And you're, he's, he's going in the ninth, I think. End of the ninth in most 
uh, most redraft. And you just said Jamal Williams was going in the ninth. Like, okay, do you want the wide receiver one on a team or the running back who doesn't catch passes and, you know, is touchdown dependent on a team with Aaron Rodgers in the ninth round? To me, that's the easiest decision I'll ever make. Those are the kind of decisions that you make that win you championships. And that's why we play. There it is. You guys heard it here. Rich, Rich dropping the knowledge. Ninth round, you're picking up uh, Alan Hearns and you're not picking up Jamal Williams. Um, one other pass catcher that kind of made headlines this week, and maybe Rich, you can speak to this a little bit because I know that uh, on your pod, Dynasty Nerds pod, which came out today, for those of you that haven't listened yet, you should go check it out. Um, you guys, you and Matt talked about uh, Blake Jarwin. He's a tight end on the Cowboys. Is he someone our listeners should be aware of? He should. You, now, when it comes draft wise, most likely you're not going to draft him, but pay, pay attention to him closely on your redraft on, on the news and notes, all the Roto World blurbs and whatnot. Because like we just mentioned Alan Hearns before, who's going to catch the football a lot? You know, I think Zeke's going to catch a little, lot of footballs this year. I think Zeke Elliott could finish as fantasy football running back, fantasy player number one overall this year because of how much they're going to have to ride him out. But besides Alan Hearns, you're looking, you're looking at Cole Beasley. You're looking at uh, Michael Gallup, who's a rookie. Then you bring in a guy like Blake Jarwin, who right now in OTAs, which again, OTAs are, you know, we can't put a lot of stock into it, but any information is good information. And right now he's getting all the number one reps. Rico Gathers is getting almost nothing. Blake Jarwin's a sophomore out of Oklahoma State. He's six foot five, ran a four six nine in his pro day. Uh, coming out of college, he played a hybrid fullback tight end kind of position, had a 4.3 shuttled, 10 foot one inch broad jump. So the athleticism is there. And he's entering his sophomore year. And sometimes we can see that break in the sophomore year. Guys like, you know, Rob Gronkowski uh, and Aaron Hernandez. Some guys can really contribute in the sophomore year. And when we mentioned Alan Hearns about, hey, opportunity and targets. If, if you know, the tight end could be that safety net and he can establish himself in that role and be that guy, maybe he can finish as a low-end tight end one. And a low-end tight end one is a pretty good backup tight end, whether it be a bye week uh, maybe an injury in the playoffs, maybe a really bad matchup. So is he on your radar? Like, oh, I'm taking, you know, Jarwin for sure. No, because when it comes to the tight end, there's just too much value out there in the NFL for guys like Austin Hooper, for example, that you can get later over a guy like Blake Jarwin. You'll get Austin Hooper for almost free. But it's worth taking a note because you never know. There's always those guys that bust out on the scene. We always have a handful of those guys that, hey, who's that guy? He, he finishes tight end number six. That's Blake Jarwin out of Oklahoma State. Silly, I listen to the Red Shirt podcast and I'm all over it. Mm-hmm. Yep, you want to be one week early on the waivers and you want to know who he is and know where the opportunities are. So that, those are the guys you got to keep an eye on as season goes and progresses. Those are the guys that win it for you is the ones you pick up and you stream or you plug them in. And they're the ones that can get you the crucial win. So I totally agree. Exactly. He's he's the type of player that you should be aware of. You're not drafting him, but um, you might pick him yeah. up in the first few weeks if he um, makes a splash and, and starts to make a name for himself down there in Dallas. So thanks, Rich. That was awesome. Uh, the last thing, and we're going to transition right into our rookie segment with this. We're going to start with the quarterbacks. There was a, a news report this week that came out that's Baker Mayfield, who was drafted number one overall by Rich's My Cleveland Browns, player in NFL. Um, is, quote, not ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor for the starting job. So what does that news mean for you, you know, you all in redraft leagues? And um, should we be excited about Baker Mayfield for this season? Or, or is he someone that's going to be a name next season? All right, let me re- reiterate for you guys. Uh, no quarterbacks this year 
should be on your radar. Definitely, and especially in redraft. I mean, I don't even take my first quarterback to at least a sixth round in redraft leagues. It's just, there's too much value out there. I'll roll with a guy like Matt Stafford or Jared Goff. You can take all the Aaron Rodgers shares you want because the point differentials between quarterback one and quarterback six, you're talking about a couple points a game where the point differential, where the running back you could have got there and the wide receiver you got there and definitely the tight end you could have got there is drastically different. It does not make sense. Now, Aaron Rodgers can single-handedly take you to the playoffs, sure, but there's just too much value nowadays in, a, in, in the way the NFL rolls out and it's a passing league. So, Baker Mayfield, listen, I think he's my favorite player in the NFL, guys, gals. He's my favorite, okay? he It's going to be the greatest 30 for 30 you guys have ever seen walking on a Texas Tech win the starting job. Here comes Pat Mahomes. Deuces, I'm out. I'm going to Oklahoma. I'm going to walk on there. Starting job. Win the Heisman Trophy. I'm six foot one. Get drafted number one overall. Take to the Browns to the Super Bowl. Win five Super Bowls to surpass Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. It's going to be fantastic. But listen, that's the future. That's the future. We're talking about 2018. This guy's not even going to start until the Browns are out of the playoffs. It's that simple. And right now, I bet the over. So I don't think the Browns are going to be out of the playoffs until, what, maybe week 11? maybe week 12, maybe a little bit even after that. So right now, Baker Mayfield has no relevance in the league. Even if he did, say Tyrod Taylor goes down because he's making an outside run there. He gets too hit too hard, and he goes down with an injury. They have to bring Baker Mayfield in. And yeah, he, he's got a lot of experience. He's extremely accurate. But we also have to say they're going to try and play it safe with him. And with that running back game they have going on with Nick Chubb, Carlos Hyde, and Duke Johnson, I would expect them to run the ball a little bit more than anything. So I still would not be excited about Baker Mayfield because there'd be so many other quarterbacks in the NFL that I would feel safer about. I mean, if he go, say he does come in week 13, are you going to bet your first playoff game with a rookie quarterback in there for his first start? I don't think so. He's off my radar. Just like the next guy and the guy after that we're going to talk about. So for me, no relevance. Very excited for the future. But this year, eh. So now I've heard around the rumor mill, or maybe it's just the theory the theory mill, that maybe Taylor will eventually, when the bye hits, fall back and Mayfield will step up. Right around that bye week. I think it's week 10 or 11 or something like that. Just because that's a good transition point. I don't know if I fully buy that either. I'm kind of more on Rich's side. However, I will say this, and I'm curious uh, how much Rich would agree with me on the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Hugh Jackson is going to do the wrong thing more often than not. So if the right thing is to sit Mayfield, let him develop, and go with Taylor for this year, where they're probably not going to be winning a Super Bowl anyways, chances are Hugh Jackson is going to put him in at some point. I don't know. Maybe this is just speculation, but I am. I think he could be one of the worst coaches in the league. So if the wrong choice is is to get Taylor out or to keep take, keep no to get Taylor out, he's gonna make it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, again, I think once they're officially eliminated from the playoffs, we'll see Baker Mayfield in there. Every number one overall quarterback plays year one. Every single one. But again, they have to be eliminated from the playoffs. So if the Browns go into week 11 and they're, say, they're six and five or they're seven and four, maybe by a miracle of the gods. Um, you think they're going to automatically put in a rookie? Absolutely not. They're going to have to be eliminated from the playoffs for him again. 
to get in. And yes, Hugh Jackson is probably one of the worst coaches in the NFL. Uh, he's an idiot. Some of those play calls are, I don't even understand what's going on there. He's, he's a moron. But listen, here's the thing though. It's no longer in, in, in his hands. The, the, the offensive system is in Todd Haley's hands. So they're in much better shape by leaps and bounds. I mean, Todd Haley's had success everywhere he has gone. So, that's a, that's one step. And you also have John Dorsey there as well. So if John Dorsey says, Hey, fella, you know, you're an idiot. You're not making a quarterback change right now. Uh, if you do, I will fire you. And then Todd Haley would be the head coach. Then he's still not going to make the change. So I don't, I'm not worried about the bye week. It's all to me. It's a matter of either, either he gets hurt or once they're out of the playoffs. It's that simple for me. You know, I just have to throw this out there. I guested on the TFA Dynasty pod, actually, Dynasty Life pod, just this earlier this week. It's not even out yet. Um, it might come out same time as ours, actually. But to, at the end, we had talked about the AFC North, so we talked about the Browns. And I just said at the end, I'm going to shoot my shot. If they end up firing Hugh Jackson within probably two or three weeks and Haley takes over, I think they would win the division. I'd be so happy. Yeah, Jen. Oh, yeah, what do you think about that? That's ridiculous. There's, there, you know, there's. I'm not. I'm not going to talk. You know, I'm. I'm not going <laughs> to talk down the Browns. I really do think they have a. They're going to be better than we've seen them. Yes, they have a horrible coach, and if he's gone, and you, I mean, of course, I like Todd. Exactly. You know, he's Steelers man. I, I know his talent. I know his coaching ability. But to say he's going to beat my Steelers this year, mm-hmm. I don't think so. It's a hot take. I'll admit. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It'd have to be wild card or Big Ben gets hurt. One of the two. Right. Yeah. When the division division was the yeah. What hot take? You can yeah. You can go there. Hey so. hey hey. Who has better Super Bowl odds? The Cincinnati Bengals or the Cleveland Browns? Oh, are you asking who we would take or what the actual odds are? No Vegas. no Vegas odds. I know them. I know them. No Browns. Browns are seventy five to one. The Bengals are one hundred and twenty five to one. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome! Wow, what a time to be a Browns. And Bengals fan. fans cry across the yep. universe. Well deserved, <laughs> or just disappear. <laughs> right. Oh, True. Man. All right, guys, that's that's enough stuff. I think on the Browns uh, for now. We might come back to them a little later. Uh, See the train, Matt. You thought you were going to no, keep us we on the track, and the here we are. At this point, uh, spoiler alert: we will probably be talking about the Browns later. Uh, the next quarterback that I want to bring up, and I know this is a guy that um, he's electric when you watch him play. He's exciting. He's going to bring fantasy points to your team, but it might not be this year. I know that Okada, you're really excited about this guy. Uh, tell me about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so Lamar Jackson is is right. Pretty much, actually, he's my number one dynasty quarterback in this draft class. Um he is basically Michael Vick, but a better passer. And that's not really an exaggeration. He is extremely electric. He's extremely fast. He, he's not as good a thrower as most of the other guys in this class. That's, that's just a fact as of now, at least from what we've seen. Maybe he can develop in that way. But when it all comes down to it, at least in standard fantasy formats, quarterbacks who use their legs are more valuable than quarterbacks who throw a really good football. So when Lamar Jackson does get this job, and I don't think it'll be this year, so he's barely maybe worth a like last round backup flyer pick in two QB leagues, and that's it, just in case something happens to Flacco. But if and when he does take over, I think he's an immediate QB1, and I think he has probable like top six QB upside. 
because this guy is going to get a Cam Newton-like rushing yards and probably touchdowns and then throw the ball decently decently well. And they don't have great weapons, so he might have to do almost all of it with his legs. Uh, but I really, really do like Lamar Jackson. And if something happens to Flacco this year, maybe he has a chance this year. Otherwise, he's probably sitting out. So you don't like no weapons. You don't like Crabtree, Snead, John Brown, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews. You like Alex Collins. Bob I like Alex Collins. I like Alex Collins. Okay. okay. But he's on the ground. <laughs> I was just thinking about how strange that QB room must be. Flacco, RG3, and Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and RG3 is rumored to be mentoring. Mm-hmm. Well, and Lamar the thing is, right too. Now. I just think it's strange to yeah, me. Yeah, and the thing is, too, like you cannot have more polar opposite players right? in uh, Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco is this big, stiff dude who can't move more than three feet and Lamar Jackson man he looks good when he <laughs> runs out of the pocket and when he's running downfield so they're just complete opposite players so it's definitely an interesting situation but like you guys mentioned probably not someone that you know we're going to be taking this year in redraft leagues but like Okada mentioned if there's an injury to Flacco or the team starts to have a bad season and they see what they have in Jackson he could provide some relevance um, as a spot start in redraft leagues so the next yeah for sure I mean when we talked about one guy, when I, I think there's one guy out of all these rookies you could possibly draft. Possibly. It's going to be Lamar Jackson. You mentioned Mike Vick earlier. The guy couldn't throw the, I mean, he could throw the ball 1,411 miles an hour, but you know, he's not very accurate. Lamar Jackson did get better in accuracy every single year and from 15 to 6, 2017. Ended his college career with 60.4% accuracy. You mentioned Mike Vick. Again, Mike Vick was drafted in 2001. In 2002, Mike Vick finishes QB2 overall, overall, and it's mostly on rushing. So Lamar Jackson is a dynamic athlete, athlete. So again, if he get, if something, they say they're out of playoff contention, he does get in there because they're, they're, they are moving on from Joe Flacco. That's not a question. That's a fact. They took a quarterback in the first round and they want to see what they have in Lamar Jackson. Listen, they're going to use that athleticism. Like you mentioned, John Brown, Michael Crabtree, two rookie tight ends out there, Alex Collins, who doesn't catch the ball overly well, they're going to use Lamar Jackson. And if he gets in there, if if there's any even rumors about Flacco sitting in my redraft leagues, I am picking up Lamar Jackson and hoping I'm getting those 90 rushing yards per game, 85 rushing yards per game, go on top of those passing yards. So for me, out of everybody we're going to talk about rookie-wise, this is the one guy I would hitch my wagon to in 2018. More excited long term in 2019, like I mentioned, you know, second year, Vic finishes QB2, and Vic finished QB1 overall, QB2 overall twice. So that's a guy mostly off of rushing yards that I would be excited about. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think we're all uh, we're all on board with that. He's a guy who our listeners should be aware of and be ready to pick up off waivers. Like you said, you're not drafting him, but he's someone that you could plug in right away and play and give you QB1 numbers in any given week if he's starting. Um, so that's great stuff. The next guy um, is a guy who is a little bit of a polarizing prospect. He's been known to have a bit of a hot head and be someone that might not be a great locker room guy, but you know the Cardinals saw enough in this guy to move up in the draft and take him 10th overall. This guy is Josh Rosen. Is Josh Rosen a guy who we should be aware of and get excited about in redraft leagues if Sam Bradford, who we know has a a long injury history, and I can touch on that here in a minute, um, if he's unable to stay on the field for more than two or three games this year? Um, What do you guys think? 
I mean, first of all, I think that the over under should be two or three minutes, not two or three games. <laughs> Agree. Uh, I don't know if he makes it through the preseason. Um, yeah. I mean, 31st, their offensive line was 31st last year. So he's going to get hit and he's going to go down. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's it's been an unfortunate career for Sam Bradford. He's a talented guy coming out of Oklahoma, but couldn't stay on the field at all. He's got a history of two ACL tears in his left knee. Um, and actually, they happen in back-to-back seasons, which is tough. He then had a really complicated season last year, as we all know. Came out in week one, looked amazing. Um, was dropping dimes everywhere to, you know, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and then started dealing with some, some swelling and, uh, soreness in his knee, the same knee that he had the ACL tears on. And, you know, he had multiple knee surgeries or scopes where doctors will go into the knee and physically look and see what's going on. Um, whether or not there's a meniscus injury, which is a tiny piece of cartilage, or if there's actually a cartilage, uh, damage, I should say, in the knee. Um, and so it's just been, it's been rough for him. And this is something that he's probably going to deal with for the rest of his career, however long that might be. Um, and you know, the, the contract that he signed this offseason, it might look good on paper, but it's definitely not a long-term deal. And so they're planning for the future here with Josh Rosen. Um, and he's, he's a guy who I think he's talented. He's got a great arm. Um, but it's just un- unclear how he'll really translate to the NFL. I know most scouts had said that he's probably the most NFL ready quarterback. Um, so Rich, what do you, what do you think about that? Nope. No, none of it. Not, not this year. No. I mean, he could have all the, again, it's, it's a rookie quarterback. I mean, he's going to a team with a terrible offensive line. Their only weapon on offense is Larry Fitzgerald and he's the goat and that's great and all, but you know, you got bringing Christian Kirk. Where's, where's, where's the fantasy points going to come from? Ricky Seals Jones. You're hoping David Johnson comes in there big. Um, yeah, again, not, not even remotely on my radar whatsoever. Yeah, even if Bradford goes down, I think that just makes David Johnson a, what, 600-touch guy? <laughs> um, Rosen's not going to – I don't think Rosen's going to be able to step in there and make a fantasy impact, even in two QB leagues. So, no interest. I agree with Rich. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be an offense that's going to be tough to watch this year. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's keep this, this thing moving here. We've got two more rookie quarterbacks to get to, and then we're going to talk about uh, some tight ends. So the next guy on the list was drafted by the New York Jets. This is Sam Darnold out of USC, a guy who I actually saw in person um, light up my Penn State Nittany Lions at the Rose Bowl, which was just depressing and um, tough to watch. But uh, kind of a quirky throwing motion, kind of an interesting player. I know for a while he was kind of touted as one of the best quarterbacks in this class, but uh, maybe his play last season at USC didn't back that up. Obviously, we know the answer. No, he's probably not relevant this year, but... It's a Jets team that, again, figures to be pretty poor as per usual. And they've got Josh McCown in-house, but he's had some some issues staying on the field as well. So Darnold's a guy who might uh, get a few starts this year, especially if they try to see what they have in him. What do you guys think about that? Don't forget about Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. Oh, Teddy! So I'm I mean, excited about Teddy. He He's a, an awesome story. His, his injury was horrific, like... Literally no chance he was going to come back from it, and he defied the odds, and, and here he is. So I'm on board. I hope that happens because, you know, as a PT that works with these athletes and sees them come back from injuries like that, uh, it would be it would be awesome to see. Yeah, and again, even if he does get in there, I mean, are you – let's put it this way. Are you excited about Josh McCown? No. Are you excited about Teddy Bridgewater, even if Teddy Bridgewater starts? Probably not. I mean, a receiving core is uh, Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse. So, again, I mean, 
Their running backs, Isaiah Correll, that guy likes to run in the back of his offensive line every other play. So for me, even again, if he gets in there, Sam Darnold, I really like long-term. He's my second-rated quarterback in Dynasty. Uh, He's one of the youngest quarterbacks to come out in recent history. I think the kid just literally turned 21 five minutes ago. So for me, it's not, again, not even remotely on my radar. This guy's... They got to build it. Not only does he have to develop, the, t- the entire offense around him has to develop. So for me, it's it's straight deuces. He's not on my radar. Hey, happy birthday, Sam Darnold, huh? Yeah, you guys didn't know today was his birthday. <laughs> Make <not>. a wish. <laughs> That's awesome. And and as you you know, you guys can see, our, our listeners should be able to tell these quarterbacks that come in and they're drafted early, and uh, teams are excited about them. These are all teams that struggled last year, and that's why they're spending such high draft capital on these teams. So it's kind of the theme that these quarterbacks are just in in poor situations and on teams that are not going to be good this year, but you know in the future could have some relevance. We're going to keep that uh, theme rolling here with with offenses that we're not excited about, and talk about a guy who. I, in, in dynasty leagues and redraft leagues and any league, want nothing to do with, and that's Josh Allen, who might be able to throw a football over mountain, but uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's inaccurate. He can't play against competition at Wyoming, and he's just not a good player. Um, so is anyone, anyone in the room, anyone on the pod excited about Josh Allen for any reason? He might, he might have the quickest I know, I'm like, avenue cricket to start drop. <laughs> Yeah, we, we do have to get a cricket drop in the pod just for that right there because, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who he's he's going to get some starts in the future. I mean, the quarterback depth chart is is probably the worst in the NFL. Um, and I the actually, whole offense is the worst in the NFL. Yeah. What do you mean? You're not excited about McCarron and Nathan Peterman? I mean, he's <laughs> just lighting up the OTAs and the minicamp. Ooh, Peter. I tweeted out on draft night that when they drafted Josh Allen, they actually got worse, which I don't think is possible. Um, so they're, they're just going to be in for a rough year. But since we're talking about the Bills, let's just kind of go off the cuff here. There is one player who might have some relevance this year, and it's LaShawn McCoy. Um, the offense is probably going to struggle with McCoy in the way that he's going. I think he's going the back of the second round. Uh, is he someone that you guys are still excited to draft this year? Because I know in previous years, people have kept talking about the mileage is coming, you know, the, the cliff is coming, he's going to fall off. Is, is this the year or is he going to have one more, one more shady McCoy type year? I am going to pass on that grass because listen, not only do they have zero people to throw the ball to, right? They have no good quarterback, but the thing you have to realize too is they lost their center because of the neck injury and Eric Wood. They lost their left ha- left guard in Richie Incognito, and they lost their left tackle to trade for this quarterback in Cordy Glenn. So not only is the quarterback decimated, not only is the receiving room decimated. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin. Whoop, I mean, uh, I'm not getting overly excited about that. Zay Jones, we don't even know what's going on. Zay Jones, who knows what's going on in the hotel room. So for me, LaShawn McCoy, it's not just – Everything else around them, it's that offensive line that really worries me. And those defenses are not going to have to focus on anybody whatsoever except for LaShawn McCoy. The guy's a stellar talent, so he could probably maybe do some Barry Sanders stuff where he takes that garbage and turns into something. But for me, man, where he's going in the second round, in the second round of my redraft leagues, I don't like to take big risk, right? And that first round pick... That second round pick, I'm not trying to get all sneaky and trying to come away like I'm smarter than everybody else. I'm trying to get the best player with really good opportunity there. You know, give me a Devontae Adams over LaShawn McCoy all day. I can name tons of running backs I would take there. Um, will LaShawn McCoy maybe 
Pur- maybe produce. Maybe because of the talent, but that's still a really big risk, not because of Shady himself, but of his surroundings, right? We mentioned a guy like Alvin Kamara, like his system has projected him way far ahead of everybody else. I think everything around Shady is really pulling him back and giving me a lot of question mark and a lot of worries there. So for me, I'm just going to go ahead and go draft somebody else there in the second round. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you there, Rich. The... The thing with McCoy, and people keep giving me this argument, is he's going to get volume. He's going to get volume. Yeah, he is going to get volume, but at the same time, he's not going to get the same volume that he's had in recent years. And he's been vocal. like He wants to extend his NFL career, and he said, I'm willing to take less volume to do that. And they brought in Chris Ivory, um, who you know no one's excited about, but they're going to give him some touches too. And just like you mentioned, in the, the offensive line and the poor offense in general, um, I'm off of Shady this year, and I probably won't be drafting him at all. Yeah, your best bet is here if you draft Shady McCoy is, I agree, I think the Bills are going to go when those teams, the complete opposite of the Browns, where they made the playoffs last year, are going to be a top three pick in the NFL draft next year. I think your best bet is maybe like one of these running backs get hurt week five, week six, the Bills are sitting there 0-6, and he gets traded to a team for like a second or third round pick for a team that needs a running back. And that's your best case scenario for Shady McCoy in my eyes, where they go, hey, you know, he's almost, he's 30. We're obviously rebuilding. We can't get any wins. Uncle Rico's thrown over the mountains, but he's not anywhere near Kelvin Benjamin's <laughs> hands. So let's go ahead and get something, anything for a guy, a running back in Shady McCoy. That's your best case scenario in my eyes. Yeah, awesome stuff, guys. That's that's a great uh, great kind of segue that we can go into here to some, some different players in different positions. So we got a ton of info on these rookie QBs. And this might be an episode that, you know, our listeners go back and check out uh, maybe next year because we did, did bring up some good names. But it's unlikely that these guys will be relevant unless there's an injury or something happens like that. But uh, let's go ahead and move away from these QBs and get into some of the tight ends. This should be a pretty quick segment. There's not a ton that are going to be relevant. There's only a few that we're going to even talk about um, who could have some relevance this year. And one guy who actually is projected to be a starter um, is the the Penn State tight end. His name is Mike Gesicki, um, a guy who I watched a lot in college because I'm a Penn State fan, like I mentioned. So he definitely uh, definitely could bring some excitement to that offense. But there's been some bad reports coming out from OTAs and minicamp, and we've seen it before with rookie tight ends that just struggle to pick up an NFL-style offense. Um, so personally, I'm not going to touch this guy in redraft leagues. I don't know about you guys. It looks like, the, according to the show doc, Okada is interested in Mike Yusuke. Mike, uh, Matt, go ahead and tell us about that. So I don't think I'm taking him in redraft leagues either, at least not in the draft. However, where I am taking him in is best ball with my last pick. And I would keep an eye on him on waivers, or if I'm in a really deep league, I might look at him. And here's, here's basically why. First of all, he is projected to be the starter, I, I think. Uh, and there were reports that he's not done well, or he was not doing well initially. I think some, a couple reports came out later that week that he kind of finished up a little bit better, uh, in that week. But here's the thing. If this guy gets on the field, and no, he will not be a, he will not be as NFL ready right now as he will be in a couple years because that's just the way tight ends go like rich said at the beginning of the of the episode but if you just go to playerprofiler.com if you've never been there it's a really cool site they kind of break down people's workout metrics they look at a lot of other interesting efficiency stats and then they make comparables uh with young guys that you don't know maybe to nfl guys you do know 
Go to play, playerprofiler.com and look up Mike Kosicki just to look at these bars that he has on his athletic profile. He is absolutely insane. Speed, 95th percentile. Burst, 99th percentile. Agility, 99th percentile. Catch radius, 100th percentile. There's a highlight clip on there that goes through some of his game tape, and it's the, some of the catches he makes are insane. He's in the 97th percentile for spark score, which is basically an overall breakdown of someone's athletic explosiveness and ability. This guy is the kind of tight end who probably in two or three years could be a top three tight end. And Tannehill has thrown to his tight ends. And I don't think Tannehill is as bad as he often gets a rap of being either. And the team doesn't have lights out receivers either. Devontae Parker has been mostly a bust. Uh, I know there's still some hope that he breaks out this year. Personally, that hope died for me last year. And I was one of the truthers for him last year. Kenny Stills, I really like as a late round value, but he's not a full blown wide receiver one. And then they've got a couple kind of PPR guys, but I think Asiki has a chance to get some catches. And if he does, he can definitely do a lot with them. The last time that Tannehill played and had a decent tight end, would we agree, maybe like Jordan Cameron, 2015? Mm-hmm. That year, he did, I mean, he targets his tight end, like you were saying. He was the second, he was second in targets overall, Jordan Cameron, with 13%. And then the red zone, he was number two as well, with 21% of the red zone targets. So he could be looking that way. But I have to side with Rich in the way of just first-year tight ends. I mean, I grabbed a stat today that's the past five years, the first three drafted tight ends in the draft, only two out of 15 over the past 15, uh, past five years had seasons in the top, in the, as were tight end ones, basically. Two. And that was Evan Ingram last year because he basically had to. Yep. You know? And the year before, Hunter Henry. And that's been basically it. So they're getting better if you take that to mean that there's an upward trend. But as far as expecting him in redraft, I see what you're saying in best ball and how in dynasty he could be great. But as far as redraft, I'm not I'm not wasting one of my very, very, what, six or seven bench spots. So high demand. I, I don't know if he's going to be there. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement on this one. Maybe you got to monitor if you're, you know, in a bind and there's an injury that you got to plug a guy in, but not someone that we should be drafting in our in our redraft leagues. The next uh, next set of tight ends we're going to talk about uh, are the tight ends from the Baltimore Ravens, who love tight ends. They love them. They they in fact drafted two of them in the same draft uh, in the 2018 draft. They drafted Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. Uh, Rich, I know that that Mark Andrews before the draft and before the combine was a guy that you were pretty excited about. Um, from a dynasty perspective as a prospect, catching passes from Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, we know the answer again. It's not this year. Is he someone that we should be more aware of next year or is Hayden Hurst, uh, the guy for the Ravens moving forward? Well, Hayden Hurst is a little older. Right? I mean, he played baseball beforehand, so he's going to enter the league as a rookie as like a 25, 26 year old. So that alone, you know, if you're talking about like a two to three year window, to get good, you're t- you're getting good at 29. That doesn't overly excite me. Mark Andrews played a lot of slot at Oklahoma, so he's more of a big wide receiver than a tight end at all. So that gets me a little bit of excited. But, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, the, if you go through a fantasy perspective, they've had more tight ends on their roster than anybody in the NFL probably. It's like the Browns quarterback situation. It's just a constant rotation of just nothing there. So I'm not overly excited about either of these guys right now long term I'd probably lean Mark Andrews over Hayden Hurst 
But year one, both of these guys are going to need a lot of time to learn and develop because they're both relatively new to the position as a whole. So, you know, now you're going to have to go right into the NFL on a, a team that isn't really that great as it is. I'm not excited about any of these guys, honestly. And I don't I don't care that Hayden Hurst was a first-round pick. Like Jen said, you, the odds of you even finding any success out of a rookie tight end, you're, you're better chance than finding a diamond ring walking down the street, honestly. It's just not going to happen. And they drafted, well, I mean, not in the first round, but they drafted two of them, for heaven's sake. Yeah, so and it's kind of like... So who are you going to gamble? I mean, who are you... Right. If you're ever going to take one, are you going to even gamble on these guys? No, I mean, exactly. you're, you're literally looking long-term. Even from a dynasty aspect, these guys are going in the third round of the rookie draft. So that's enough said right there by itself. Yeah, 100%. Um, they're going to play. I mean, someone has to at the tight end position in Baltimore. But for fantasy purposes, they should not be on your radar. It sounds like this year, and like Rich is suggesting, maybe not even next year. So, you know, we'll see. The last name to mention is just Dallas Goddard. Uh, he's a guy who got drafted by my Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, which was an extremely uh, disappointing landing spot from a fantasy football perspective, given that they've got Zach Ertz already on the roster, and he's, you know, a top two, top three tight end at the position. Uh, a talented guy big body can make awesome catches especially in the red zone so he was someone that i think all of us were pretty excited for um you know in in dynasty and uh, as a prospect but the landing spot could not be worse for for goddard he's one of those guys if he would have went to the dolphins if he would have went to the ravens you know i would actually consider playing even because the guy's such a tremendous athlete and he catches the ball so well he was my tight end one coming out the whole way through i gave him a first round grade the whole way through but just as we mentioned before about opportunity and systems, it's just a bad landing spot. You got Zach Ertz, who's a top three tight end. And then say they want to run two tight end sets. You still got Nelson Aguilar out there. You still got Alshon Jeffrey out there. Corey Clement came on big for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, they still have Danelle Pumphrey there. They still they just brought back Darren Sproles there as well. So there's a lot of mouths to feed there. And where I love this guy as an athlete, and I love him as a football player, and I think he will help the Eagles, and they already said they want to get him involved. From a fantasy perspective, I'm just not that interested. It's just like kind of like a guy like, you know, there's some players that are really good football players that will help their NFL teams. Guys like Will Fuller, uh, guys like Derrick Henry that will help their NFL team, but they're not going to help your fantasy team. And listen, all I care about is scoring fantasy points. And if you're not scoring fantasy points, you're dead to me. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty much all we we got to say about that one. I think that was probably ten minutes too long talking about rookie tight ends. But uh, for those of you that are <laughs> newer to fantasy, um, and you might get excited about these guys because you see them drafted pretty early in the NFL draft, and you think, oh, maybe we should go out and grab them. But um, as Jen pointed out, and you know, Rich and Okada, all of us have pointed out, they're just not uh, a position that translates well from you know the college game to the NFL game in year one despite what Evan Ingram did last year uh, for the Giants and you know as we all mentioned that's that's a situation that's more of an outlier so don't expect these tight ends to be relevant uh, this season but you know that finally kind of wraps up our our rookie talk Uh, for now uh, we're definitely going to bring these guys up as we move forward into training camp and um, you know into uh, the season as far as the other positions are concerned but for the last you know 10-15 minutes here let's go ahead and kind of just you know throw out a question to the group and have everyone give one, give one or two answers for um, for these guys. So the first question I want to ask you guys as we transition here, we're going to talk about winners and losers from the NFL draft from a rookie impact perspective. 
Jen, let's start with you. What veteran uh, player or situation has been the biggest fantasy winner coming out of the draft? Who's your guy? Okay, I was looking at two guys. Uh, so I'm going to go with Alex Collins. Um, I The starting running back for the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like we've talked about the Ravens like... A lot. It's like we switched from the Browns to the Ravens. We must just really like my division and talking about them. But Alex Collins played in 15 games last season, but only had 12 starts. So he ended up with 973 yards, six touchdowns, and ended up as the number 19 PPR. And that was just with 12 starts. So I was really excited about him already for this year. Um, but then Baltimore passed, and they could have had um, Geis available in the draft. But instead, they traded down twice. Um, and... So, I mean, sometimes it's not who you draft, it's also who you don't draft. And so the fact that they didn't draft a running back speaks to their confidence in Alex Collins. There is still Kenneth Dixon there, and he is um, apparently now healthy. And there is still Buck Allen there, who, you know, will take some receptions from Alex Collins. And I think Rich alluded to it earlier that that's not exactly Collins' forte, though they do involve him in the passing game. So that's another factor, especially if you're playing half PPR or PPR, that you know, where he's going right now, I really think um, he has value. And I think the way that they handled the draft really shows their confidence in him. And a guy that's going to get 19 touches on average week eight on, I'm going to give him a shot. If they're going to say he's the starter, I I hope to see him that involved. And I think he's a a big fantasy winner this season. Yeah, I would agree. I think Collins is a guy that I brought up. I think it was on our first first pod uh, that I was pretty excited about. He, I think he, you know, might have one or helped you win uh, a fantasy championship last year if you picked him up off of waivers uh, because he came out of nowhere and, and had a great stretch of the season there. So he's definitely a name that I think fantasy owners from last year are going to be excited about, like you mentioned, and maybe they should be because they didn't bring anyone in um, to really challenge him a ton in that backfield. So we'll see how that backfield situation um, kind of develops moving forward. But let's move on to our next guy. I know that Okada has a guy who we've been talking quarterbacks He's excited about this quarterback. Okada, who's your biggest winner? Sure. So for me, it's Cam Newton. Uh, and the reason is DJ Moore, who we talked about last rookie episode. Not last episode, but last rookie episode. Uh, and and it basically, it comes down to, I think that the Panthers have been trying to get him weapons, specifically short and intermediate weapons, guys that he can target quickly without taking a hit, getting injured, um, and wearing down over a season. And they added McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel last year. Samuel obviously got hurt, so that didn't pan out or hasn't panned out so far. And I'm not too excited about him this year necessarily, but he is a good little weapon. But now they've really added a receiver. A receiver that Newton has not had someone like this for a few years, at least since Steve Smith. And maybe even in the latter part of Steve Smith's career, he wasn't quite what DJ Moore can be. Um, and we talked about Moore and the other rookie wide receivers and where we think they can be. And I'm not necessarily projecting Moore as a wide receiver one or wide receiver two or anything like that. However, I do think that he is a weapon that will finally give Cam Newton something to throw to besides dump offs to McCaffrey that can give him a little bit more oomph in the passing fantasy points production. And then he's still got his legs. Um, so, and by the way, Steve Smith himself, and I think we talked about this, said that DJ Moore was basically the the replacement or the 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 passing of the baton from his career to now what Moore can be. So I like uh, I like Newton's opportunity. Yeah, awesome. I think uh, 
you know, I think he's a guy who's been finishing in the top 10 anyway without uh, a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. So just adding in another weapon is going to be only to his benefit. So so I agree. I think that he's definitely a winner. Um, Rich, you got a guy for us? Who's a big winner after the NFL draft? I think a big winner, um, and this isn't a guy over overall love, but I think he, I think he's really just forgotten by a lot of people in fantasy world. I think it's Lamar Miller. Um, you know, Matt, you could speak on this yourself with Deontay Foreman coming back from that Achilles injury. That's literally, you know, besides your patella tendon, probably one of the hardest injuries to come back from in the NFL. And there's no guarantee he's going to be ready for week one. And we're talking about a guy, you know, with Deshaun Watson coming back, he's going to open some things up. There's no really number two receiver there that you overly love. And you're talking about a guy who in 2014 finishes running back nine, in 2015 finishes running back six, in 2016 finishes running back 20, and last year finishes running back 16. So he's been a startable running back for, at the very worst, a running back two for the last four years. And this is a guy, I don't know where his ADP right now for redraft is, but, I mean, this is a guy that everybody just wants nothing to do with. And people are still talking about Deontay Foreman, like he's going to come in here and do something. I mean, he's to me, Deontay Foreman's almost not even draftable with that injury. So I think Lamar Miller is a winner of the draft. And I think, again, I think for this year in 2018, he's somebody I'm putting a big star next to. Because I don't overall love the player. But, again, we just so we went back earlier and we're talking about value. I think there's tremendous value in Lamar Miller. I would definitely agree with you. Um, you mentioned the injury to Donta Foreman, who he looked good last year and was a guy that people were excited about because Miller was was pretty inefficient as a runner, and he's been ever since his time in Houston. But that injury is absolutely horrible to come back from. You mentioned that, especially for running backs. There's studies out there, and research suggests this, and research supports this, that uh, NFL players, especially running backs, who have to be able to explode off of their injured leg be able to change direction, plant and cut, uh, et cetera, after the injury um, is just tough to do. And we see that performance drops significantly in the first year when they come back. So there's no guarantee that he's even going to be ready for week one, like you mentioned. Um, there's there's rumors out there that he's going to start out on the, the pup list, which for our listeners is the physically unable to perform list, which means he wouldn't be able to even play until week six. Um, so Miller's going to have at least six weeks to prove that he's the guy and prove that he can uh you know take control of that backfield so i'm with you there as, as far as an injury perspective Dante foreman is off off my my draft board yeah i think when you're talking about those stats too statistically wise i think there was like a 29 percent never even come back to contribute at all um that's how rough that injury is and i think i think the patel attendance right up there too i think before like jimmy graham came back uh, and somebody else besides him, that, that was like usually a career ender. So, yeah, the juice is definitely not worth the squeezer. Yeah, totally. And when, when they go in and they do that surgery for you know those that don't know, essentially they go in and they take the tendon and they have to reattach it to your heel bone. Um, and when it heals, it heals in a lengthened state. So your calf muscle can't produce enough force, which is the muscle used to jump and explode when you're sprinting and those kind of things. So um, you mentioned that, that 29% uh stat it's it's roughly around there depending on what study you read but yeah most guys um if they come back they're significantly hindered and some guys don't even come back and just for example you know uh adrian foster awesome player great fantasy player the achilles ended his career and granted he was you know 29 years old but um definitely a career ender for a lot of players out there so 
good news on that. Good, uh, good info. Definitely, uh, Lamar Miller is a guy who I would target as far as a value this season on opportunity alone. I'll be quick with mine. I've got one more to, to wrap up this segment here. My biggest winner is Melvin Gordon. And you might ask yourself why. And, you know, that's a good reason because he's already a top 10 running back at the position and, um, he's, he's been successful in his, his NFL career even though he's been extremely inefficient. I know that people are kind of down on him in general from a dynasty perspective um, because of the fact that he's not really efficient as a player in terms of yards per carry and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at it and it comes down to it, he puts up numbers every single season. But the reason that I call him a winner uh, in 2018 for redraft leagues is because of the fact that the Chargers went out and they did something with their rookies that not many other teams did. And that's addressed the defensive side of the ball pretty much exclusively. Um, in the first four rounds, they drafted a defensive player. Um, they drafted Derwin James out of Florida State, who was an absolute uh, monster uh, at the safety position, um, and then followed it up with a linebacker, a defensive end, and a safety, and then drafted a center in round round five. So they went out in their draft, and they said, okay, we're going to build our defense up so that we can try to control the ball a little better, control the clock. Um, and I just see you know, Melvin Gordon's workload increasing even more from last year. So I don't know how you can't call him a winner and uh, maybe even push for a top six, seven, eight uh, finish again in, in 2018. Rich, top five? I think I think so. I mean, the, the Chargers are already coming out saying they want to get him more involved in the passing game. I mean, you got Austin Eckler behind him there. That offense is going to take a big step forward. I know they lost Hunter Henry, but you still got Mike Williams there. You got Tyrell Williams uh, there as well. And, of course, Keenan Allen, who's a PPR monster. He's going to score touchdowns. Phillip Rivers gets the ball upfield. If they can get him more involved in the passing game, look out. I think he easily could be a top five running back. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in lockstep with you there. Yeah, and just to be, I mean, no one really loves talking about defenses, but as a redraft pod, we'll probably talk about them at some point. If you have DSTs in your league, which most people do, these Chargers are going to be really good. They were already pretty strong last year. They're extremely talented. They, they had great talent. And then stealing Derwin James, the other pieces they added, like you said, they're one of my favorite DSTs. And I think, like you're saying, that does contribute to maybe bumping Gordon up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. We, uh, we kind of put everyone to sleep, I'm sure, in the first 45 minutes talking about all these horrible players. But hopefully the end of our, our pod here got you a little excited about some guys who, you know, we're all excited about and who we're targeting in our drafts. Uh, we are getting a little short on time, but we do want to go through the last segment here. And that's just kind of mentioning one player um, that's the biggest fantasy loser coming out of the draft. Um, so just real quick, you don't have to be, you know, real in depth with anything as far as analysis or anything like that. But um, let's kind of go down the line here and, and talk about one guy who after the draft that we're just kind of down on and not really excited about. Jen, go ahead and start us off. Okay. I'll just keep it short and sweet because I don't think this is going to surprise everybody. Uh, Carlos Hyde is who I think is the biggest uh, fantasy loser after the draft. Um, He already went to the Browns and kind of, they already have Duke there for the receptions out of the backfield. And so that kind of cut his legs out as far as that role that he had when he was in San Francisco. And then um, they, they drafted Nick Chubb in the second round and However, the season starts, they're now saying that um, he's probably going to start um, the year as the starter, the leader of that backfield. Who knows how they're going to distribute that? Uh, Nick Chubb might take over by the end of the year. But either way, you know, even if it's just divided, he if if um, I think I just see people drafting him at a place and expecting the number eight PPR running back from last year to now be, you know, in Cleveland. And I think if uh, Chubb wasn't drafted, maybe that would have been the case. I would have loved to see that behind that offensive line, but 
that's just not the case now. So um, he won't be on um, any of my rosters. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Good, uh, good quick analysis there. And uh, just because, like we mentioned, we haven't talked about the Browns enough. Okada, give me your give me your loser. Seriously, we might have to put a Browns embargo on this <laughs> podcast for a few episodes. At this point, it's kind of out of control. Yeah. So this this one's probably not one that people would think of, but for me, it's Tyrod Taylor, and here's why. That offense now has a lot of weapons. Jen just talked about some of them. Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman's not necessarily anything useful for fantasy, but he's a, he's a decent receiver. And if he can stay healthy, that's just a, another good receiver in that core. David and Joku. This team has weapons and Tyrod Taylor has finished as a fantasy relevant QB in Buffalo on a horrible team with horrible receivers that runs first constantly. This Browns team has thrown somewhere in the, the neighborhood of 580 passes a year, every year, or on average for the past several years. And Todd Haley has done the same, if not even a little bit higher. This team is going to throw. And if they had not taken Mayfield, and I don't think there's any chance they wouldn't have taken a quarterback. So this is purely hypothetical. But if Tyrod Taylor had had the chance to play this full season, or if they, I guess, had taken one of the more developmental QBs, and we knew Tyrod Taylor could play the full season, I would have drafted him probably as a QB1. And I think he would have had top eight upside maybe and because of this situation and I mean like Rich said he could play the whole year in which case he could be a huge steal in drafts so if you are playing in a 2QB league give me Tyrod Taylor for sure uh and even if he only plays for 10-11 games he could you know produce quite a bit over that period I thought this was the biggest loser talk about it you just made the strong case for Tyrod Taylor (laughs) what a case I I yeah. agree with Matt a hundred percent. What a strong case! Look at those weapons out there. Best receiving core in the game. <laughs> we can't stop talking about the Browns. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I should have picked. And we my can't other stop guy. saying good things. Um, <laughs> but but we gotta we gotta move on here. We're kind of getting short on time. Rich, real quick, give me your loser from the draft. Uh, it's not a huge loser, but I think from a guy that you were kind of like just looking forward to with a possibility, Chris Carson for the Seattle Heat Seahawks, a team that likes to run the ball a lot. Drafting Rashad Penny coming to be a three down back. Even all these reports that Chris Carson looks good, I think it's a big hit to his uh, redraft value where it almost just kind of sweeps the leg of their Karate Kid style. And, uh, you know, for somebody I was very interested in as maybe a sneaky player, has now kind of gone, maybe I'll take him into my last pick in the draft. Yeah, I got you there. I- I'm I'm with you 100%. I have been very vocal on this podcast that I am a Rashad Penny believer and a truther, and he's someone that I'm going to probably reach around for if I need to, depending on my league mates in uh, in redraft league. So I'm right there with you. I'll just kind of wrap this up. Yeah, Scott McLuhan uh, tweeted out, uh, I think, yesterday or day before, somebody asked him, who's your rookie of the year pick? And he said Rashad Penny. All right. There you heard it. You heard it there. I think uh, I, th- I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, you know, it might be a shocker over, uh, in some people's eyes, over Saquon, Saquon Barkley. But um, if they do commit to him as a full-time back and the volumes there, I mean, he could, he could put up big time numbers. So yeah, we'll see. The last guy that we'll kind of bring up here as far as a loser, um, from the NFL draft is Devontae Booker. And the reason that I, I call him a loser is just because of the fact that A, I don't think he's a very good player. Uh, and, and B, they drafted Royce Freeman out of Oregon in the third round, uh, to kind of compete with him for that starting job. Going into the offseason, I think we all would have been a little foolish if we thought the Broncos were going to roll with Demonte Booker and uh, D'Angelo Henderson. But, you know, it's a guy who 
he's just not efficient. He's not a good runner. He doesn't produce when he gets the opportunity. Um, and so Roy Streeman's a guy who had a ton of production in college, granted a different offensive system. But I think that when that team gets down inside the goal line, uh, inside the 20 even in, in the red zone, Devontae Booker is going to get pulled off the field and uh, Roy Stream is just going to be the guy there to steal all those touchdowns. So Booker's a guy who he's essentially free at this point in terms of ADP. He's, he's going pretty late. So maybe you take a stab at him as a flyer, but uh, he's someone that I definitely consider a loser from the NFL draft this year. All right, guys, it's been an awesome night. We've had a ton of ton of fun talk here about these rookie quarterbacks and tight ends and how exciting they're going to be for your league this year. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, they're not. Uh, but before we get going, Rich, you got one last thing for us? I got one thing because since we, you had to be having to talk about uh, quarterbacks and tight ends, there is one guy I want to talk about real quick, real quick, if, you, if I have a, a minute. And it's Sony Michelle for the New England Patriots. And a oh, lot of, give this, me Come it, on, Rich. Rich. You had this to guy, do this. We're almost done. Now Okada's going to go on for 10 minutes about Sony Michelle. Listen, listen, fellas and, and gals, listen. This is my <laughs> number two overall rookie running back and don't listen to all these hype people like oh what do you like him because of the bull you know the playoff series because he did the playoff series all of a sudden he's good you're talking about somebody leaving georgia as the third all-time leading rusher in georgia history he had he averaged 7.9 yards per carry he's not a ppr back where everybody's like oh maybe he catches back he's actually an in between the tackles runner where most 70 percent of his carries came that way and he's going to new england patriots and i don't want to hear all this garbage where people are like Whoa, it's a Patriots running back. It's a Patriots running back. How are you going to take the Patriots running back? Listen, you can't go by the pass. This is a new year, 2018. They took a running back in the first round. Bill Belichick took a running back in the first round. That's a commitment. And you got to look back at guys like LeGarrette Blunt, right? LeGarrette Blunt. Is LeGarrette Blunt a sweet running back? Would anybody here raise their hand if they think LeGarrette Blunt's a sweet running back? I don't see any hands in the air, okay? LeGarrette Blunt finished as a top 10 running back in 2016 and 2015 on touchdowns alone. Want to know why? Because Tom Brady moves the football down the field. So who's going to get those carries now? And who's going to get those touchdowns? And who's going to get all the carries? It's going to be Sony Michelle. If this guy stays healthy, he has a chance to be a running back one year one people could talk Saquon Barkley all they want and they could talk about all these other running backs like Rashad Penny and whatnot and everybody wants to sleep on Sonny Michelle because he's on the Patriots I'm telling you to me that's a big mistake I love the guy I'm drafting the guy give me all the Sonny Michelle shares in the United States of America and every other continent in the world man what a what there a great way to close out an otherwise snipe Rich pod. if you're in a, in a league with him snipe him <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to avoid leagues with Rich so I can do the sniping. All right, guys. Well, that's that's pretty much all we've got for this one. Uh, huge thanks to Rich for coming on, especially for that Sony Michelle take. Man, you don't even know how, how enjoyable that was for me to listen to. Uh, quick reminder for the Listener League contest. If it's your first time listening or if you haven't done so before, hop on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, subscribe, leave us a rate and review. Uh, they really help us learn. They help us grow. You heard that one we read uh, earlier in this pod. Gives us good ideas. So we really appreciate those. And then if you screenshot that review, tweet it at us at redshirtsffpod or email it to redshirtspod at gmail.com. You get entered into our listener league contest. We'll set up that league sometime probably in August and uh, have, have a great time playing with you guys. So uh, that should be fun. Also, another note. This one's a little bit less happy. We're going to be off for a few weeks. Coming back probably in the second week of July, so we'll miss you guys. 
But we're coming back with an extremely hot list of guests, starting off with, drumroll please, Matt Harmon of Reception Perception. So that's going to be awesome. Hopefully they're as good as Rich was. Doubtful. I mean, it'll be a tough, it'll be a tough sell. We'll see. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow our pod on Twitter, like I said, at RedshirtsFFPod. Uh, you can find Rich at Dynasty Rich. You can find Betts at the Fantasy PT. Jen at the Only Jen Smith and myself at Fantasy Sensei. Also, give the Dynasty Nerds podcast a listen if you're interested in Dynasty at all or if you already play Dynasty. One of my favorite Dynasty pods by far. So, with that being said, we'll see you guys in a few weeks. We are the Red Shirts. Peace. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the,